Welcome to the Experts in Dubai show, your home for deeper news, behind the scenes and real life stories. Hey everyone, it's Amber Wahid and welcome to the Experts in Dubai show. This is our little corner of the world where we share with you our stories and tips to help you along your expat journey. Today, we are back with the great fraud fightback series that focuses on the financial advisory industry. And I'm here today with Dubai-based financial planner, Paul McCullough. As we're drawing to the end of 2021, we're going to discuss the current state of the financial advisory industry and also some of the alternative investment options that have crept in the market recently, along with some other interesting stuff. Paul is a truly independent thinker, that's why I invited him on the show today, and to remind us why investing is so important, and especially now, why it's so important to invest today and invest wisely in the market. Financial education and awareness, of course, is key in order to legally protect yourself and your money, to make sure you have legal recourse if in the event something goes wrong. And that's why we have experts on the show to help our listeners to understand how to do that so they know exactly what they are getting themselves into. But people have to do their own work to understand all the ins and outs of it. And that's mainly because the financial advisory industry and system is very complex very hard to understand, and it's largely completely and utterly corrupt. (laughs) Paul, thank you so much for being here. Tell us about yourself. Where are you from? How long have you been in Dubai? And why did you become a financial planner? Thanks, Amber. Uh, Paul McCullough uh, from Ireland, obviously. I've been in the region now for just short of 10 years. Uh, the, The joining of the financial services industry was an easy transition for me. I I began my career in insurance and I moved uh, across to a prestigious stockbroking firm in London. I spent a lot of time between uh, there, Dubai and Hong Kong and ultimately decided to base myself here. Uh, The transition into the the industry here was quite a simple one because I was aware of a lot of orphaned clients who were not being serviced. Uh, There's an opportunity to to help those people, to enable them to make returns on their on their money, and and for me to uh, make a living from it as well. So it was uh, wasn't that difficult of a decision to make at the time. Is there still a huge Irish community in Dubai? I remember back in two thousand thirteen fourteen, it was like half of Ireland had discovered Dubai, and they were all over here working. Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that. Ireland as a country, our biggest export is our people. Uh, you'll find us all over the world. We're absolutely everywhere. Uh, on the the younger side, if you like, there are a, a lot of Irish teachers who've moved abroad to, uh, you know, to look at opportunities outside of Ireland, broaden their horizons, to travel, uh, and the GCC as a whole offers them the opportunity to do that. There are also several key Irish people in roles here who people would aspire to, uh, and I mean very senior roles in Emirates, Etihad, uh, Jumeirah Group, Dubai Duty Free. Uh, these are people who are not just very well known here, but also very well known in Ireland, and it's those sort of people who will attract the Irish community here. And are they big investors? Irish people are, but it's. I, I find a lot of the time we're slightly different to to others because it, it's instilled in us from we're young bricks and mortar bricks and mortar that's mm-hmm. all your parents will ever talk about and that's not necessarily a bad thing and I even had it myself but 
the majority of those people will invest back home and not here. And that's simply because of the, the lack of rights for investors here, especially where property is concerned. So they stayed away consciously from the financial advisory industry. Do you think that's because of the dark, heavy clouds surrounding the industry out here? Yeah, the the, the industry here has, has a bad name, uh, no different than anywhere else. There are other regions who have been in the same position that we're in now. Uh, Hong Kong in particular, before regulation came in there, uh, was extremely bad. And ironically, a lot of the people who uh, were doing... Uh, unscrupulous things in Hong Kong ended up here. Uh, yeah, it, it's things like that. There's a lot more public knowledge now than there was before. People took a financial advisor at face value, and unfortunately, here in particular, if they sign up to something that's not right for them, that is going to be a very costly experience. So it's it's not a surprise that there's a a dark cloud hanging over it. And fortunately, as it were, a lot of people are aware of that. Now, you yourself have been a victim of fraud. Tell us about that. This was a credit card case a few years ago where uh, I found several rental car companies here who were obviously renting cars to people, taking deposits from their credit card, but they weren't blocking the amount of money as a security deposit like they're meant to. They were actually removing the funds like it's a purchase. So you wouldn't pay a lot of attention to that until it comes time to get that money back. And then you'll find that you're not getting it. And the the problem therein is you go to the bank, they're not really interested in helping you. And you find yourself in a in a void, if you like, where it, it's impossible to get this money back. The companies will just keep giving you the runaround. In my particular case, uh, nobody, nobody at all wanted to do anything about it. Uh, it was evident to me that because this was happening on such a grand scale, the company who was doing this were being looked after higher up the food chain. And I have no doubt that that is correct. Uh, in the end, I went to their <laughs> premises and I stood outside uh, telling people who were coming in to rent vehicles to not do any business with them because they were <laughs> stealing people's money, which they wasn't very well received. And they, they called the police on me. Uh, now, fortunately, the police took my side, but they also said to me, you know, you have to f- follow the legal channels to do whatever you're going to with these guys. But if you come back here every day saying this, you're going to get in trouble as well. So it, it was quite obvious the police were on my side, but they have a job to do as well. Uh, the The case was, it just dragged on and on and on forever. And I got a random call one day from a, a lady uh, talking about the case. And as it turned out, it was the guy's husband, one of the directors of the company, the guy's wife, sorry. Uh, She told me about the case and that he was in jail for something else. And I didn't realise at the time it was him. But when we went to the police station the next day to to get my money and have him released, uh, and I saw his ID and I could see that it was him, I changed my mind and said, no, he can just stay in jail for another (laughs) while. (laughs) So uh, I eventually conceded and got him out and I charged them some extra money for uh, the other people that they had ripped off as well. So Oh, good for you. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, one of those days in particular that I was there, there was a girl sitting in their office and she was crying uh, because the money she couldn't get back. And that money, quite obviously, was more important to her than, than mine was to me. And I just 
I don't like things like that. You know, these people are these people are vermin. They're not good. You know. So there are comparisons with the financial advisory industry. You appreciate that. There are. There are a lot of unsavory things that happen within my industry, and and if you relate it to something like that, it's it's okay at a much higher level. Uh, there are a lot of so-called advisors in the city who will do whatever they need to do to earn a living. And while I don't condone that by any means, a lot of these people are put in a position where they've been lied to to get them to come here. They're sold the dream, as it were. Uh, they come here, uh, they see what they're able to do. Uh, and I, again, if you look at it from a, a compliance point of view, as businesses written for clients, it has to go through compliance and it has to be signed off by somebody higher than them. So, you know, if if you want to blame the advisor, then you can't just blame him. You have to blame whoever else is complicit as well. And this goes all the way to the top. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That's the thing. You get unscrupulous people in every industry. It tarnishes the industry. And unfortunately, in the Middle East, the financial advisor industry is the worst hit in terms of the number of cases related to fraudulent activities. And why is that? It's because of the way that the system set up and, and commission-only paying rules. Uh, the people, like I've mentioned before, who've uh, been sold the idea of coming here are told that they'll get X amount of months and they'll be given leads of people to talk to and whatever else. But a lot of the time, the money that they are given each month as a retainer and what you find is that when these people actually start to get a bit of traction and do business, they think they've earned X amount, and then they find that all that money's been taken off them to, to pay back their retainer. If you couple that with the fact that a lot of people come here and maybe don't have a lot of money, and they are attracted to the to the lifestyle, uh, this is an expensive place to live. There's no way around that. And if someone gets pulled into that and they're two or three months down the road and they're not earning any money then those people will start to do questionable things because they have to make a living and if you present them with something that enables them to do so then you are the problem as well. Is it the advisor's fault or the financial advisory companies they work for at fault for encouraging them? That's 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 a fairly expansive question you know if I had all the same tools offered to me, but I chose not to use them. But my situation was different. I didn't need to. There are plenty of other people out there who are not so fortunate. And, you know, if if they're falling on hard times and that vehicle is in place to allow them to do that, then that may be their only option. But that, in essence, is fundamentally wrong. It shouldn't be that way. And that's why the industry here has such a bad name. You're right. There's such a stigma around financial advisors, financial planners. When you're out socialising, what kind of reaction do you get? I mean, how do you get your referrals? <laughs> I, I tell people I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> you get more respect. <laughs> I, I when, when I'm socialising, I very seldom tell people what I do. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's worth keeping in mind that the length of time I've been here, I have pretty much the same friends since when I came apart from those that have that have left so I've always been of the opinion of keeping your circle small 
uh, this place, as much as I like Dubai, it's, it's very false. There's a lot of very pretentious people here. Uh, so I tend to keep that within my social circles, but also within my work as well. Uh, I don't network. It's something I've never been very good at. Uh, when I first came here, one of the first uh, things that was said to me is, you know, go out during the week, uh, stand in the bar and have one pint uh, and, and try to talk to people about what you do. First of all, I'm from Ireland. We don't go to the bar for one pint. That's, you know, <laughs> stand, stand there all night with one pint. It's not going to happen. But the, the very thought, jokes aside, of of going to a bar to find a stranger to talk about what I do, I, I'd find myself a new career before I could do that. I think in terms of trust, I think we, we have to go beyond the question of is there a trust issue with the financial advisors? Yes, there is and just park it. Can it be resolved? No, it can't because of the way the system, the current system is set up and works at the moment, which is in the industry's favour, not the investor's favour. So Paul, what can we, the investors, do about it to ensure that financial advisors have their eyes on our future and not on their wallet? Well, I think the easiest answer to that has to be everyone needs to look at what exactly it is they've got and Let's be realistic. It's it's all fee-paying services. So if that's the case, the very first question people should be asking is, what fees am I paying? And the majority of people that I come across don't know what to have. They don't know what the terms are. They have no idea what they're paying. And that works okay when you're in an upward-trending market and everybody's making money because people will seldom question fees as long as they're making money. When the markets take a downturn and everything's coming down and they start losing, then they'll start paying attention to things because unfortunately then it's too late. The easy answer to that is everybody should be asking the question, what exactly have I got? And if they can't get the answer from the financial advisor that they're using, then they should go somewhere else because there's nobody that's worth anything at all that won't give you a second opinion on what you've got for free. If, if you're asking for someone for a second opinion and they want to charge you for it, then those are the kind of people you walk away from. I have countless times over the years taken a look at different portfolios of people and said, you know, yeah, this is, this is fine or absolutely no, you need to change that. And again, I've acquired a lot of clients that way too because it's I only work on a referral basis and that has been the way now for a long time. But you can't do that back to front. That takes time. It takes a, a, a period of time to, to to get that trust, if you like, with clients. And you can't do that in a back to front manner. It, when you start to work with them and they see what you do for them, they know exactly what they have and you move forward on that basis. That That's not months. That takes years. And if you go back to what we were saying about earlier on, if you're bringing someone here on a fee, on a commission-based model, and you want them to move forward on that basis, once they run out of personal funding, then that's all out of the window. What are you finding are people's priorities right now? Is it still to save as much of their earnings as possible and invest them in a long-term future, whether that involves protection for their families, school or university fees, or a retirement home? I think protection should be at the forefront of, of what everybody's doing. But... Unfortunately here, because that doesn't pay a higher amount of commissions, uh, a lot of unscrupulous advisors will tend to avoid it 
and use the disposable income for uh, higher fee paying products. Uh, that's sad because protection is absolutely the paramount. That has to be, if, if you're here, if you've got family here, wife, children, you, you need to have an adequate amount of protection no matter what you've got elsewhere. And as interest rates continue to fall, putting money in the bank no longer pays dividends, how else are we going to buy financial security? Because a monthly income alone is not going to give us that security. No, it's not. Uh, This is why it's important to do your own homework and find a sound financial planner who is actually going to help you. As you've rightly said, putting money in the bank isn't going to do anything for you. It's, it's, It's finding a... The, the right solutions and finding the right person who's going to help you identify those. This doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't matter what age you are. Younger people are harder to talk to because they they, they think that their whole life in front of them, you know, well, I, I don't need life insurance. I don't need to be saving for retirement. I'm, I'll not be retiring for another 40 years. And it's trying to get people to understand that the sooner you start, it's it's not the case that you're going to be more wealthy. It's going to cost you a lot less over the same period of time than it is for someone, for example, who starts 10 years or 20 years later because they're going to have to save so much more than a younger person. With that said, you still need to have the right solutions in place that are going to protect the money you're saving, enable it to grow in a safe jurisdiction and take into consideration inflation and everything else because you're you're spending here is higher but also inflation here is much higher and people tend to base everything they're doing and I even did it myself when I first moved here you look at the price of something and you immediately convert it into the the price that it is back home and you can't do that because it's it's a habit that you need to get out of as quickly as possible because you're not factored in the real cost and and that's the the silent one here which is inflation. I want to change gears. I want to talk to you about alternative investments to products and policies. What about the property market as an investment out here? I I have never advised anyone to invest in property here. Uh, The majority of my clients are all Westerners. And it goes back to the same thing I mentioned earlier on about investing in property. Uh, My own investments in property are back home. Uh, I encourage most people to do the same because the the housing market here sways so much. Uh, there, there's too many influences. Uh, personally, I haven't come across many clients here who have made any sort of significant returns from property. Uh, in fact, most of them have just about broken even. But it's, it's the rights issue, Amber. You have absolutely no rights here whatsoever. If you're investing in a property back home, people know what, what your rights are. They know what you can do in your in your home country. Here, not only does it cost more, uh, from a mortgage perspective, you have to put down such a large uh, deposit. Now, back home, you may have to do the same thing, but you will have considerably more flexibility. Uh, I have seen a lot of people who've got into financial difficulty here with properties, and the banks are less than helpful. Don't forget back home we have stamp duty. I'd rather pay my 1% than suffer what could happen to me here if things go wrong. And 
There are other alternative investments. I had Crystal Bichara on the show and she educated us about NFTs, non-fungal tokens, and people choosing to invest in digital artwork as an alternative. So if anyone wants further information on that subject, have a listen to her interview, episode 11. Paul, can I ask you about Bitcoin? Bitcoin, of course, is the name of the best known cryptocurrency. And now it seems more and more people are getting behind it. Governments seem to be favoring it like the US, not so much the Chinese. El Salvador have just made Bitcoin an official currency. Tell me whether this is a good investment and why. Uh, again, with, with the cryptocurrencies, the most people I know that have invested in it have put an amount of money into it that they're happy enough to gamble, for want of a better word. So it's, it's money that if, if they lost it, it's not going to affect their, their lifestyle. Uh, and the majority of them are glad that they did that because that's exactly what happened. Some of them got their money back. Some of them bought Bitcoin in particular at the wrong time and, and lost uh, over half of what they put into it. So there, there are a lot of fluctuations in it, of course. A lot of people will talk about the gains that they've made, and it's a, it's a pretty easy thing to invest in. But when people make those gains and they want to realize them, they have to turn it back into cash which defeats the whole purpose of what cryptocurrency is about. And when they also want to do that, it's not the easiest process. A lot of people will find that if they want to sell the currency they have and return it back into cash money, that it's not as easy as it was to buy it. Uh, And that has been a problem as well. Uh, I'm not entirely against cryptocurrency, but for me, it's more of a high risk. I would still stand over the same advice of saying to people, if you really want to do it, then put an amount of money into it that you're not afraid to lose. And it it really can be a case of you're taking a chance. It's been helped by George Soros. He's the guy, of course, that brought down the pound, literally shortened the pound and almost broke the Bank of England. I think his cherry on the top will be to break the US dollar. Um, But everybody can have a Bitcoin and there's no financial controls from the government the way the Treasury and Federal Reserve exert on the people. Well, I I think that falls back to what you said earlier on. That is the reason that governments are now condoning it or or wanting to become more involved because they don't have those controls. Uh, As far as George is concerned, as, as wealthy and powerful as he is, he does not have the power to bring down the USD. Uh, it is coming down in value, yes, but if you look at the at the pound, the pound isn't linked to as many other currencies worldwide. The USD is still the most traded currency in the world. And with all of the pegs that remain throughout, if that comes down in value, then they continue to come down with it as well. And that is considerably more influential than the pound sterling. JP Morgan Chase is backing it, saying cryptocurrency is a better hedge than gold. Is this the same JP Morgan Chase that told us CDOs were sound investments in 2008? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, let's, go, let's move on to um, classical cars, a hobby I know close to your heart, as an investment. This is a, an area, obviously, that I know a lot about. And I have always indicated the same thing to people. Classic cars are an excellent investment. There are very, very few of them that go down in value. Uh, The flip side to that is, if you don't know anything about cars, or you don't have access to someone who does, you should give it a very wide berth. 
just like you referenced earlier on, Crystal Bichara, where art is concerned, I don't know anything about art. And I, unless I had access as well to someone who does, I like to, to stick to what I know. And most people are the same. Classic cars can make you a lot of money, but they could also lose you a fortune as well. And you, you need to be very careful about using that as an alternative investment. And Paul, what is the investment outlook for the remainder of the year? What do you see? Well, we're well into quarter four now. There's not much of the, the year left. What I, have... I saw a snowman the other day. Have you seen that? I, saw... <laughs> I, saw, I saw a lot of Christmas stuff in a store yesterday. I walked out in protest. <laughs> it's too early. Uh, yeah, we're well into quarter four now. Uh, most of what would have been lined up for this year, in my opinion, should already be done. Uh, because of the escalation in the markets uh, in recent times, that cannot continue to go the way that it is. And we have adjusted a lot of clients' portfolios. Uh, quite a few of those people have returned to cash because they realise the the power of buying low and selling high. Uh, if you are going to look at gains that have been made over the last six to seven months in particular, they have been high. And if you're not going to realise those gains, then quite obviously an unrealised gain is exactly that. Uh, quite a few of those people have returned to cash. Uh, some of them have returned to uh, a more balanced or lower risk portfolio where when the markets do come back down they will have the buying power there to buy back into even perhaps what they had before and move off and do the same thing again uh, I think any advisor who's not looking at doing that at the minute should you know, be having a serious talk with themselves So what do you want people to be mindful of going into 2022, the takeaway on this episode? I think the main thing has to be exposure to the markets and to indexes and exposure to fees. People need to pay attention to what exactly they have. And if they don't know, then they need to start asking the questions from the people who can answer them. And if they don't want to answer them, they need to find somebody else who will. That's always going to be my main point of advice. Know exactly what you've got. Be careful because we cannot continue to see the escalation that has been in the markets. So if you're not paying attention now on making the required adjustments when the markets take a tumble which is imminent uh, then you're going to suffer and by that stage then it's already too late so most of what we've been doing over the last six months is a lot of fixed income a lot of solutions which have no correlation to the markets uh, and people are attracted to that because when the markets take a tumble as we've discussed they will not have the same exposure that people have who are directly involved with that. Paul, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Very insightful and lots for us to think about. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Thanks. What's the best way for people to find you? Well, I'm, I'm quite easily found on my social media. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, I work with Alpha Omega Partnership, who are a, a good company to work with here in Dubai. They have all the, the required licenses, which means that the advice we're given to clients is correct and suitable for them uh, outside of that I have my Facebook and Instagram but I'm not so sure I'd want people to follow me there you know? <laughs> that's great thanks again for coming on the show you're welcome and our thanks to you for listening we'll have more episodes on the experts in Dubai show for you next week on Mondays join us where we discuss topics related specifically to the financial advisory industry and on Thursdays join us where we bring you episodes on wider community topics See you then.